Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. We're going to begin to read in verse 14. If you're there, can you say amen? amen? James writes under the power of the Holy Spirit. He continues writing. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. D-E-D, dead. (laughs) Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe (laughs) and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person? That faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Last verse, verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. For as the body, apart from the spirit, is dead, so also faith, apart from works, is dead. As we continue our study this fall in this amazing book, the book of James, we're looking at verses 14 through 26, this next section of the letter that James is writing to the church at his time, that we're living in different parts of the known world, and really I think it rings true for us today as he's talking about living faith or real faith, genuine faith or dead faith. I want to talk to you out of this title. If you're taking notes, whether you're here at additional seating or online, I want to talk to you from this title, Alive and Well. Alive and Well. Why don't you high five four people around you and tell them I'm alive and well. I'm alive and well. Jimmy, it's good to see you. I'm alive and well. We're going to pray, and we'll talk about James for the next 25 to 26 minutes. And then we're going to go home and believe the Dolphins are going 4-0 today. And if you're a Bills fan, we're going to pray that you come to faith in Jesus, repent of your sins. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for your good grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. 
God, we love you so much. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. You're on the move. What a summer it's been. What a fall already. Thank you for each and every single person. God, we need more chairs. God, we need more space. And thank you for the grace that you've given our team and people, God, as we try to figure this all out. You are on the move. God, we pray that today you'll speak to us. Thank you for this beautiful letter. Thank you for preserving it throughout history so that it will speak to us today and challenge us. God, we pray that you would have your way in this place. Open up our eyes to see you in a fresh and brand new way. Thank you for loving us. We couldn't earn it or deserve it, but you are good and you are awesome and kind. We love you and we thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all of Calvary Church says? Amen. Oh, come on. All of Calvary Church says? Amen. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. I grew up uh, in Miami, Florida. Some of you know, I've talked about it. Uh, yeah, that's right. I am from Miami, born and raised. Anybody like me? Come on, born and raised in the county of Dade. Amen. Hialeah, actually, to pinpoint where I'm from. But every once in a while, my parents, they would love to travel to New York City. And we had friends, kind of like family members that we would go visit often. Anybody from New York City in the building? A few people. I thought you'd be a little bit louder, but... We would go to visit New York City, and I remember, uh, you know, being 10, 11, 12, and visiting New York all the time. I love New York City, absolutely. I, I still love it. I can't wait to go back. Um, I remember, I've been, you know, Brooklyn. We have friends that lived in Brighton Beach. We'd go to Coney Island, all of that. One year, I went just with some friends, and we stayed in Queens. Queens has a huge population of Colombians. And I tell my wife, you guys are everywhere. And... Um, while we were there, one of my friends says, hey, have you heard of Canal Street? Canal Street. Yeah, so that, that reaction right there, you know what we're about to talk about. And I'm like, Canal Street? No, I, I don't know what Canal Street is. And they're like, well, we're going to Canal Street today, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, in Canal Street, you could find anything you want for the best price. And I'm like, anything I want? It's like, absolutely. And what I didn't know was that Canal Street had become absolutely notorious for selling all kinds of products, merchandise, for like a quarter of the price. Uh, obviously, there were imitations, there were replicas, and I'm like, anything I want, they're like, anything you want. So we got on the subway, we headed over to Canal Street. I remember we got to Canal Street, we start walking down the sidewalk, and this one guy approaches me, and he's like, you want a Rolex? You want a Rolex? And I'm like, absolutely, I want a Rolex. <laughs> And he said, $25. And I was like, $25? I'm getting four of them. <laughs> I'm about to go to back to Southridge High School and stunt on my whole senior class. And I'm like, this is wild. This is crazy. Somebody approached us then and said, hey, are you looking for a Louis? You want a Louis or a Prada bag? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take everything. <laughs> The price was unbelievable, and they take us to this room where they have all kind of bags, designer bags, obviously replicas, imitations, but, I mean, the price was unbelievable. I'm like, my mom's about to get a Louis bag for her birthday, one for Christmas, one for Easter, one for Hanukkah, just because, I mean, whatever. I'm, I'm going to buy 50 of these. I remember several years later, we went back, and one of my friends at the time, he got a little like, he's like, I'm going to see how real these things are. And he took out his phone and he went to this website where they showed uh, real genuine designer bags and then the counterfeit ones. And he started literally going through them at the store and he's like, okay, this looks real. But he started noticing that some of the details were off. 
And he's like, oh, you see, the website tells me some of the stitching is not like the real one. And it showed pictures on the website. He compared it to the one he was holding. He's like, yep, some of the things are not right. Or if the logo was, was there, the logo was a little bit off or off-centered. or There were small little details that to the naked eye you could not tell. But if you closely, it was counterfeit. It was counterfeit. I really believe that James, in chapter 2, he's finally getting to the point where he's saying, some of you look like Canal Street Christians. <laughs> you know, James, he's a kind, gentle pastor writing to the church. And he's like, some of you look like counterfeit Christians. You look real on the outside. You look like you have it all together, but, but there are some details that are not right. There are some things that are off, and you don't have living faith, real faith, genuine faith. It's actually dead faith, counterfeit faith. And I'm glad you have everything else on the outside, and I'm glad you proclaim, oh, your words are good, but how many know words are not enough? I put it this way today, words sound good, but works show genuineness. Wow. Wow. Our, our words sound amazing. I mean, I've met Christians, I mean, they can talk a good game, right? Like some of us, we know, we grew up in church, and there are people who, I mean, they will prophesy, speak in tongues, dance, hop in one foot, do sit-ups, do whatever. They got verses. They open up their Bibles. It's highlighted in different colors, especially if they're single and thirsty. They highlight it all the way, right? But, but, but. But, but words are not enough. You can say you're a believer, but do you have works to back it up? Work, works don't save you, but they prove you. And so our words, they sound good. And I'm glad that we're telling the city of Miami today that Jesus is alive. But, but it's works that show that we're genuine. Are you following so far? And this is what James is pointing to. He's saying faith and works go together. Why don't you say that with me? Come on. Faith and works go together. You can't separate the two. In fact, the, the word works there in James chapter 2 in the Greek, it actually comes from this root word ergon. is where we get our English word ergonomics, and it literally means action. If you have a brand new car, they study the ergonomics of the car. And that just means they, they go and study how all it works together. The action of a person driving the car to the steering wheel and the buttons. It basically means action. So it's faith and action go together. If there is no action to your faith, James is saying, it's dead. I mean, that's true everywhere. You can't just say something. Show it. Show it. I've been married now. This November is going to be 14 years of us being married. That's right. God gave me a, God gave me a Colombian queen. She's amazing. And she taught me all about pan de bono, arepa. It's the best. It's been absolutely amazing. Uh, but how many you know I can't just tell Diana I love her. I need to show Diana I love her. I can tell her and she appreciates it and she doesn't want me to show it all the time. Like she's not one of these needy, but, but every once in a while, I got to make sure I keep showing her I'm your daddy. That's weird. That's weird. That is weird. He did. <laughs> that was so weird. Vlad told me to say that. That is weird. It was her birthday recently. <laughs> It was her birthday recently. That's cringe. It was her birthday. 
and it was her 35th birthday, and I can't just say happy birthday, and you know, hey, babe, I love you, let's go do something. Like, no, I got to go all out because I can't just say something. I got to show it. How many know, even if you're on a budget, there's ways of showing you can love her. She woke up to 35 balloons all over the room. Had a big, nice card for her, a gift bag, different gifts. I had Kenny G come in and play. I'm just kidding. I didn't. But imagine, like, you know, I tried my best. Um, in fact, maybe, maybe you're in here, you're single, or you're just dating somebody. If all they're doing is saying and not showing, I'll just give you a little bit of help today. Kick them to the curb. Goodbye. You're not for me. You just talk a good game, but I need you to walk a good game. Come on. I know they tell you they love you. I know they tell you you're my girl. You're the only one for you, babe. But if they ain't showing it, oh, no ringy, no dingy. Come on, somebody. Like, come on. How many know? We're going to serve the Lord together, but you're going to show that you really are about this. Can I get an amen? Nowadays, everybody wants to talk like they got something to say. No, some of you know that. But, but it's like, don't just say it. Show it. This is what James is pointing to. Some of you are saying a whole lot, but you're not showing it. There's no action. There's no works in your faith. Today, today, come on, why don't we take a moment as we're continuing this study in the book of James. Take a moment to just pause and think, right? I know some of us were taking notes and we're leaning in. Just, am, am I somebody with action? Am I somebody that has work? Come on, James is challenging all of us. In fact, I think that's the kind of pastors that we need in our life. Not pastors that just always give us a pat on the back and say, you're doing great, champ. But pastors that challenge us and call us out. And James is calling all of us out like, hey, is there action to your faith? Has there been a change in your life? Is there growth and maturity in your walk? Do you talk different? Do you think different? Do you treat your spouse different? Has your understanding and wisdom increased? Since you came to God and you put your faith in Jesus, have you started to change, grow, mature? Is there action to your faith? Are you following me, Calvary? That's what James is telling us. Because you cannot come into contact with this almighty, all-powerful, holy God and remain the same. It is impossible to get to know this God and still stay the same. Then you didn't encounter God. You probably encountered a pastor or a church. You went to a nice service, but for sure you haven't encountered God. Because if you really met God, if you and I really had an encounter with God, everything changes when you meet God. The incredible pastor, Warren Wearsby, he puts it this way. No man can come to Christ by faith and remain the same any more than he can come into contact with a 220-volt wire and remain the same. That's a good way to put it. You touch a 200-volt wire, 220-volt wire, you will be knocked back. You will not be able to stand back. You wouldn't be here today. Everything will change in a second. How can we say that we have faith in Jesus, that we are believers, 
that we are followers of God, that we truly believe that God is the author, the finisher, the creator, that he's the one that made the sun, the star, and remain the same, still talking filthy, still drinking, still caught up in bondage, still treating people wrong, still being greedy, still being a person that's stingy, not giving in need, not changing our attitude, still faithless, still hopeless. I don't know, but when we encounter God, he changes us. Anybody here had an encounter with God and he changed you. I wonder if there's a witness in here that says he changed me. He flipped my life upside down, which is really right side up. I wonder if there's a witness at Calvary here or in additional seating that you say, I used to be a drunk, but he changed me. I used to be a liar, but he changed me. I used to be crazy, but he saved my mind. I was going to hell, but he saved me. I was going to jail, but he rescued me. I shouldn't be here. Oh, come on. If you got a witness, can you give God a big hand come on somebody oh come on I didn't change myself he changed me he wrapped me up he got me from the pit of hell he put me on a straight path somebody give God some praise come on you encounter God and you stay the same then you did not encounter God is what James is saying you went to a nice service you had a stir of emotions. Oh, this was cute. Oh, this is awesome. I love it. Great. But if you encounter God, it changes the way we view our city. Why do we have three services? Why pull out chairs? Go, go to another church. We don't shouldn't even do it. Why people are serving? Because there's a city to reach. There's people that are dying. There's people that are dying in their sin. We got the answer named Jesus. How can we stay quiet? How can I stay home on a Sunday? You better believe every Sunday. I'm going to be here giving him some praise. You better believe. If I stay quiet, the rocks will cry out. I got to tell somebody. There's a God who lives. There's a God who changes. There's a Jesus that saves. He's the way. He's the truth. And he is the light. Come on, somebody. And so... What America needs is no more Christians that live by words, but Christians that live by works. People who have action to their faith. If we want to see a difference in our homes, in our families, in our societies, in our, if we really want to see a change in our city, in our nation, come on, it takes no more people to say, oh, we're Christians. We need to see some action. We need to see some works. If we want to see revival, true revival, it's going to be more than an emotional happy dance or a cry at the altar. I'm all for that. On worship nights, I let all the boogers out. I'm all for emotion, but that emotion better have some action. It better have some works. Change families. Change homes. Change mouths. Change mind. Change thinking. Come on, if you're with me, give God some praise. How could you have an encounter with God and then get up and continue talking the same? How can worship and praise come out of the same mouth that is cursing his brother? You didn't encounter God. That's what James is saying. Back to James. James is awesome. <laughs> You know what, what real faith is, living faith is, genuine faith is? It's saying, Holy Spirit, I hear you. I've had an encounter with this God. Father, would you lead me? Would you speak to me? Would you help me see and think and walk like you? You understand what I'm saying, Calvary? I put it this way today. To have real faith, we need responsive hearts. 
heart that doesn't want to respond to God, that is hard-hearted, that has grown cold, then I think we need to check our faith. And James has given us a series of tests. Today's test is the ultimate test. Is your faith living or is it dead? Is it real, genuine, or is it counterfeit? James, he's writing to churches all across his known world at the time. And again, we've talked about this week after week. Remember the times that he's writing in the context. These Christians are going through very difficult times. They're being persecuted for their faith. They're living through some very hard times, but hard times call for real faith. I think America right now is living through some hard times. And what America needs is people with real faith who really live this thing out. And so James, he's trying to encourage them. Chapter 1, he's saying Christians are resilient. Why? Because he says if you're a real Christian, oh, you are going to be having joy in the midst of trials. You're going to be triumphant over temptations. And then he says in chapter 2, Christians, not only are they resilient, Christians are real. Because you're going to be not just a hearer of the word, you're going to be a doer of the word, is what he says at the end of chapter 1. Then he says, oh, you're not going to show partiality or favoritism. We're going to be real people. And then he says, if you don't live like this, if you don't have joy in trials or temptation or triumph in temptation, if you're living a way that's showing partiality, you may not have real faith. You probably have dead faith. So he gets to the climax here in chapter 2 where he's saying, your faith may be dead. You may not have faith at all. It's hard truths from Pastor James. Am I really saved? Am I really, do I really, did I really encounter this God who loves me and wants to change me, grow me, mature me? Because Christians are real. Christians are resilient. I need to have living faith. So he gives an example. He says, oh, if, if you don't do anything, if there's no action, no works, can that faith save him? In the Greek, is literally, can that type of faith save him? Meaning faith with no action. And basically he's saying, no. He gives an example of a brother or sister who are in need and you just say, oh God bless you. I know you're hungry. I pray the Lord fills your stomach. And you don't do anything about it. He said, oh, that type of faith will not justify him. I want to take a moment just to explain something and I hope you understand and won't try to get too deep, but I want to teach for a moment more than preach. He's talking about being justified by our works. Now this can seem complicated because if we understand and we remember Paul, Paul said we are not justified or saved by our works, but we are justified by faith and faith alone. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now this part in James chapter 2, listen to me, this part in James chapter 2 has actually gotten so much controversy. People have literally gotten mad at the letter of James because they're saying, oh, Paul said we are saved by faith. James says we are being justified by works. Oh, there's a controversy in the Bible. It's really not a controversy, but people get a bit upset. Martin Luther, who led the Protestant Reformation, got upset at the letter of James. Some stories say that supposedly he wanted to rip it out of the Bible. He called it an epistle of straw or a letter of straw because it was teaching people to live by works. And that was just a misunderstanding. We have to understand where Martin Luther came from. And if you can't, pay attention for just a moment. In the 1500s, when Martin Luther lived, the Catholic Church started to do these things called indulgences. And what you would do is that you would pay for an indulgence 
and that was to help somebody get out of hell, right? Or to get forgiveness of sins. So if you had enough money, you could buy your way out of hell or buy your way into salvation. The people at the time didn't understand the Bible, couldn't read Latin. Martin Luther could, so he grabbed the Bible and he started reading and he reads Ephesians chapter two and he's like, I can't buy my way out of nothing. I don't care how much indulgences I pay, I'm a sinner when I stand next to this holy, almighty, awesome God. You know that kind of thinking still is prevalent today. There's people who will walk into a church once a year and they think that just because they come once a year and pray or give a big offering, all their sins are forgiven. I paid my indulgence. You have a misunderstanding of the grace of God. Keep your offering. Your offering can't save you. You can't give an offering big enough to forgive you of your sins. Paul says it's by faith alone and grace alone. So what are James and Paul saying? Well, remember, James came first. He wrote his letter first. When Paul backs it up, basically what they're doing is they're two sides of the same coin. They're just writing to two different people. So you have to understand context. When James is saying that we are justified by works, that word justified in the way that James is using it has a different meaning. And he's basically saying you are verified or proven by your works, not saved. Paul is talking about salvation. So Paul basically is talking to Christians that are new. They're new to Christianity. And he's telling them, you don't have to live by the law anymore, by works. It's by believing in God alone. James was writing to people that have been believing in Jesus. They have faith, but they don't have no action, no works. And he's saying, oh, don't just have faith. That faith needs some action. So it's two different problems that they are addressing. Are you following me so far? One is talking about works that compete with our faith. James is talking about works that complete our faith. Two different things. Paul is writing to people, how do you become a Christian? James is writing to people, what do you do now that you are a Christian? So two different problems. But they both basically are saying the same thing. We could wrap it up this way. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is not alone. You want to get James and Paul together? What are they saying? This is what they're saying. You and I, we are saved by faith alone. We believe in him. But once we believe in him, that faith does not come by itself. It produces good works. It was John Calvin who said that. And I think that's absolutely true. You and I, when we put our faith in Jesus, it's by faith alone. When we do, that faith comes with action. It changes us. We look different, think different, talk different. Or you could put it this way, we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. If you actually go back to Ephesians chapter 2, what we just read, Paul says, oh, we're not justified by works so that no one can boast. The following verse says, oh, we are his workmanship created by Christ Jesus for good works. He was actually backing up what James said. This faith does not come by itself. Are you, are you following along so far? So James says, that type of faith can't save him. And in verses 14 through 26, we're about to wrap up. In verses 14 through 26, he talks about three different types of faith. These are the three different types of faith that we see in verses 14 through 26. He says, some of you have faith that is dead. Others of you have faith that is demonic. And then there's some of you that have faith that is dynamic. What does that mean? He talks about the first one, right? If a brother or sister comes in, they're hungry. And we just look at them and like, oh, the Lord bless you. <laughs> I hope you find a meal today. And it's like, and you don't give them anything? Your faith is dead. 
So he's telling the church, hey, some of you have faith that is dead. It backs up what John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. But if someone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but refuses to help, how can the love of God dwell in a person like that? Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and reassure our hearts in God's presence. Scripture is consistent. Go back to the three types of faith, right? He says, some of you have faith that is dead. It is dead. He continues to write, verses 19 and 20, he says, oh, he, again, he's, James is talking like he's arguing with somebody as an example to us. He goes, oh, you, you say you believe in God? He goes, oh, great, good for you. So do demons. <laughs> and they shudder, meaning they, they tremble before God. Demons say God, there is God and there, there is one God and they tremble. You say you believe in God? Cool, awesome, good for you. So do demons. Literally what he's saying is some of you have intellectual faith. Number two, some of you have emotional faith. Right, like we just show up to a service. Maybe some of us, we even cried sometimes. Worship is going on, it's beautiful, it's emotion. I'm all for emotions. Like I cry all the time, I'm a baby, right? But, but it, it has to go further than that. There has to be a deep, deep work by the Holy Spirit, a conviction in our soul that we are sinners in need of his grace. If you just have emotions then you're just like a demon is what he's saying <sighs> James you're so nice <laughs> thank you for being so kind and gentle we're about to finish but come on church we look across America that's what we have we have intellectual faith and then we have emotional faith we have people that know about God because they grew up in church and their grandmother was Christian or their mother was Christian. Hey, I remember I went to this little church in Little Havana growing up. I remember, I know God. I have a picture of Jesus walking into the house. I know, like, it's intellectual. Or a lot of us have emotions. Like, I went to serve it. It was awesome. And it, I cried, I cried. But we continue living the same. What good is it to know? Pastor Alistair Begg said, we don't need education, we need transformation. Yeah, yeah. What good is it to know if there is no change in our hearts? Toward the end of chapter two, are you with me? We're, we're about to finish, we're about to land the plane. Toward the end of chapter two, he says, you know what you need? Dynamic type of faith, living faith, real faith, authentic faith. And he gives two different examples, Abraham and Rahab. James is genius because he just brought up an example of the two most diverse and different people you could think of. Let me bring up two examples. Abraham, a man of God, and a prostitute. <laughs> you should have faith like them. And it's like, what? If you don't have an understanding of scripture, you're like, what is James doing? These two people are very different. One obviously is a male. The other one's a female. And in those times, people looked down on women, which the gospel turned around. One of them was a father of the faith, literally the one who started the Jewish people. The other one was a harlot, a woman of the night, a prostitute. One of them was the first Jew, basically. The other one was a Gentile. Are you seeing how different these people are? And he's saying, but they have one thing in common. They both had faith with action. 
which shows it doesn't matter where you come from. You could have grown up in church your whole life, or you could have been like Rahab, so far from God. When you put your faith in God, he will save you, transform you, change you, flip your life upside down. Come on, that's the good God that we serve. Anybody grateful for the God? He didn't check our history to make sure to confirm our destiny. Come on, he's a good God. He's an awesome God. And he says, Abraham and Rahab, they both had faith. But not only did they have faith, they had action. He says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. But that was completed when he gave up his son as a sacrifice. If you don't know the story, I'm going to try to say it quickly. Abraham, God told him, I'm going to make a nation out of you. I'm going to give you sons, many sons. I'm going to give you a whole family. Abraham, Father Abraham, many sons, many sons had father. We grew up in, okay, that's the story of Abraham. God, God says, I'm going to give you so many kids. Like, I'm just going to give you so, like the stars in the sky. And the clock is ticking. He gets to 99 years old, and he's like, I've got no sons. And God confirms one more time, I'm going to give you many sons. In fact, Sarah is in a tent and she hears God and Abraham talking and the Bible says that Sarah laughed. She's up there in age. 98, 99 years old. She's like, <laughs> God's like, okay, play with me if you want. <laughs> and finally they had the son, Isaac. Now imagine God giving you what you finally want and then he asked for it back. Do we have faith like that? And he says, okay. I gave you Isaac, now I want you to do something. I want you to go up Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is significant because there is where he asked Father Abraham to give up his only son. And it's the same mountain where Father God gave up his only son. Mount Moriah became Mount Calvary. And he says, give it back to me. Now it takes faith to say, wait, God, this is not like you. You're against child sacrifice. That was the gods of all the surrounding nations. But if you ask for it, I have faith to believe that I'm going to go up this mountain and before I take my son's life, you're going to stop me because I know who you are. That's faith. That's right. That's right. You're not going to let me kill my child. I'm going to walk in obedience, but you're going to stop. I know who you are. Abraham had faith. One offered, the other one received. Rahab, she was living with Gentiles. She was living in the city where the people of God were coming in years before Abraham and they were going to destroy the city. And Rahab said, wait, there's two spies coming in. I'm going to hide them. These are people of God, men of God. And she decided to put her faith in God rather than the gods of her people. She was a Gentile, but she had heard about God. And she's like, I'd rather believe in that God who's the real God. And she received the spies knowing that her own life could be in danger. But she rather trust the God of Israel than the gods of the pagan worlds. Are you following me? Do we have faith like that, that it might cost us our dreams, our goals, or our own life? But God, if you said it, I'll believe you. I'll bring up three characteristics and the band can start coming up. What do we see in the life of Abraham and Rahab? Number one, they had trust. They had trust that God's promises are true. Abraham, I mean, for him to go up the mountain and say, God, you take the promised child. He had to have a trust on the inside that says, but I believe your promises are true. Today, God probably is asking some of us, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you have real living faith? Then why don't you believe that my promises are real? They are yes and amen in Jesus. 
And whatever he asks, you can trust him because his promises are true. And he's probably, hey, can you, can you give up some of those friends that are not good for you, some of those toxic circles? Hey, what about giving up that relationship that's not good for you? Hey, what about giving up that bondage, that addiction? Can you give it up knowing there's a trust there that I'm going to lay it down before God because his promises are true? Today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have trust. If I want a living faith, the real faith, if I want to be genuine and not counterfeit, James says, look at Abraham, he had trust. Not only did Abraham and Rahab had trust, number two, they had obedience. That God's provision is sure. Whenever God asks you to give up something, he's always going to give you something better. Come on, listen to me, Calvary. When God asks you to take a step, it's always because he has something better for your life. Abraham knew, even if my son dies, God will resurrect him. Rahab knew even if I give up my life in receiving these men of God, these spies, oh, God has a better way for me. And today I'm going to walk in obedience. You know what living faith is? Obedient faith. You know what genuine faith is? Obedience. That God says, hey, put the bottle down. Hey, stop the vices. Hey, change your language. Hey, I'm trying to work on your heart. Hey, look at this part in your life. Like, I don't know about you, but I want, God, I want to be real. Help me. Change me. I want to walk with trust and obedience. That if you say turn right, I'll turn right. That if you say give this up, I'll give it up. God, I want real, genuine faith. I just don't want to shout, scream, cry, and then get up and continue the same. I want to walk with trust and obedience. And last and finally, surrender. Genuine, living faith is the life that surrendered. That says, God, your ways are better than my ways. When you surrender, you're saying, God, your plan is better. Abraham had a plan. I mean, I can imagine Abraham looking at Isaac, and finally he got the son he always wanted and said, oh, me and my little boy, I'm going to put him in peewee football. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to be his coach. And then God says, surrender him to me. God, God, but you gave, give them to me. Rahab saying, I'm living in a fortified city. I got insurance of life. But she knew God says, oh, receive these men of God, these spies. But what about they take my life, surrender your life to me? That's living faith. That you surrender it. James finishes in James 2.26. We just read it. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead if you cannot trust obey and surrender like Abraham and Rahab our faith may be dead I remain the same there's no growth there's no change in my life I'm still the same person I still got my rage I still got my temper I still got gluttony I still got gossip I still got all these things like your faith Maybe counterfeit. And God's saying, church, do you trust me? Can you obey me? And can you surrender? Today, some of us, and I believe the Holy Spirit is here, he's saying, just give it up. Give me that addiction. Give me that affair. Give me those vices that are holding you down. Give me that temper. Give me that anger. Give me that gossip. Give me all those things that are getting in the way of what I want to do in your life. But if you trust, obey, and surrender, I'll change you from the inside out. And you'll have living faith. I want us to stand up to our feet all across this place. About to go. If you're here and you say, Alex, I don't know this God. I'm far from God. 
this sounds okay but Alex you don't know where I've been you don't know what I've done I've done so much wrong listen that may be true but I want to tell you God knows what you've done where you've been and he loves you still but God is so good that he won't leave you there he loves you he's waiting for you and today he wants to give you a brand new beginning the Bible says that all of us are sinners I'm a sinner you're a sinner we've all sinned we've all fallen short of God's standard we've all done wrong thought wrong said wrong our sin separates us from this holy awesome almighty God the Bible says for the wages of sin are death meaning the the price of sin is death some of us we know what that means sin has killed us emotionally mentally spiritually sin will kill you many times physically but the Bible says but the gift of God is eternal life oh can I tell you sin comes to kill but Jesus comes to give life our sin should have killed us it should have destroyed us some of us are living in the destruction of our sin but today God says I want to give you new life I want to give you a brand new beginning the Bible says that Jesus came down he took my sin your sin he took all of our wrongs everything we've ever done wrong the Bible says Jesus carried it on his shoulders and he went up Mount Moriah Mount Calvary and there the father gave up his only son and he went up on a cross and it was there where Jesus paid the ultimate price for sin you and I we should have been dead for our own sins but Jesus says I'll let it take my life so that you could receive eternal life the Bible says that they whipped him they bruised him they hit him they nailed him to this cross he died there at Calvary they put him in a grave for three days but after three days Jesus Christ he resurrected we believe with all our heart that Jesus is alive today today if you're looking for hope it's only found in Jesus if you're looking for peace it's only found in Jesus you've been looking you've been searching you're tired you're, you're looking everywhere can I tell you today you are in the right place at the right time because that peace that hope that forgiveness is only found in Jesus but every eye closed and every head bowed today if you're saying Alex that's me I need Jesus I need forgiveness for my sins. I want a brand new beginning. I want a brand new start. Today, if you want to repent, all that means is you want to turn from sin and turn to God the Father. I would love to pray for you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to count to three. If you're here or in additional seating or online and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to give you a mic. None of that. Every eye closed in a moment of privacy, in a moment of praying. Come on. Pastors praying. Dream team praying. Connect group leaders praying. If you're saying, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. At the count of three, you raise your hand. I want you to hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see you. I want to see who I'm praying for. Then you can put it right back down. You're saying, today, today I need forgiveness. Today I'm putting my trust in Jesus. Today I need a new beginning. At the count of three, you raise it up. One, two three raise your hand up as high as you can raise it up raise it up raise it up all over this place raise it up I see you 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 God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you I see you I see you I see you good move good move awesome 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 God bless you God bless you God bless you awesome awesome good move in additional seating we got pastors and leaders back there you raise your hand you're saying I need Jesus online if you're making that prayer let us know in the chats all of you raise your hand I want you to repeat this prayer with me you believe in your heart now let's confess with our mouth in fact the whole church in one voice why don't you repeat after with me say father thank you for today thank you for this opportunity today i admit that i'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you jesus i believe you're the son of god that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected come on say jesus 
come into my life be my Lord and be my Savior from today on come on from today on I'm forgiven I'm saved and I'm healed in Jesus name amen amen and amen come on what a beautiful morning he's a good God amen hey by the way we want to say congratulations on the best decision of you the Bible says when one person comes to repentance the angels throw a party in heaven and there was hands all over this place Calvary can we throw a party for a second come on can we celebrate he's a good God if you raise your hand all over this place and you said, hey, I, I made a decision to follow Jesus. We have a free gift bag for you outside. It has a coffee cup, coffee voucher, a notebook. It has a Bible, and uh, we want to help you. It is absolutely free. Many times, people, we start a relationship with God, and we're like, what do we do next? We want to help you. Don't leave this place without this bag. They may ask you for an email or phone number. If you don't feel like giving it, don't give it. We're not going to bother you. I promise you, we don't have people calling you every day saying, can I tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? We're not going to do that. But uh, we actually just want to say what's up and help you out. More importantly, more than anything, just grab the Bible. It is going to help you the most. One more time. Can we give them a hand? Come on, everybody thankful for the good God that we have. I don't know about you, but I want to get to the end of my life and Jesus say, come on, your faith was alive and well, my good and faithful servant. I love you, Calvary. I love you so much. Let's have the best week. This Saturday, marriage conference with Pastors Joe and Lori. Sign up outside. We're going to pack this place up. Come on, with hands lifted. Let's sing this song out one more time. God, we love you. Go before us this week. Thank you that you are a good God, that you go before us, behind us, and you surround us. Help us to have living faith, genuine faith, that our trust and our life will be built on you. God, we go before us. We love you. We thank you. Have your way in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.